Welcome to the Spoiler Appetite. I'm Tristan. Happy 2022, everybody. Um, yes, I am. I'm back. I know it's been seven months since I did it. The last time I did a podcast was when Black Widow came out, and yeah, I just, I, I just, I, I really have. I mean, I don't know what to say other than you know, I've been wanting to do a podcast, but. Every time, I don't know, it's just, I haven't done a podcast because of the fact that it's just, it it never really, I never really had that drive to do a podcast, even after all the movies that I saw, like, every fucking weekend and whatnot, and yeah, I, there were some weeks where I wanted to do a podcast, but never did one, because I, I just, I don't know, I just got too lazy, and you know, life kind of gets crazy, you know, and man, it's so weird that it's, it's gonna be, it's been seven years since I've done podcasting and whatnot, I mean, I'm still not at a hundred episodes or whatever, but it's still kind of crazy that I've been doing podcasts for seven years now, I believe the first episode of Spoiler Appetite went on January 1st, 2015, and yeah, I've been I've had this podcast for seven years, and yeah, I again I I just haven't been doing any podcasts because life gets in the way or whatever, and I just really haven't had that urge to do a podcast. And you know, I'm hoping to change that this year. You know, I want to do more podcasts. I mean, when it comes to entertainment stuff, I've realized you know with work and everything else. I, I I just have so much to watch and consume. It's just kind of fucking crazy to me to the point where I feel burnt out. You know, there are times where I have all this stuff in my queue, whether it's on Netflix, HBO Max, or Disney Plus. I have all this shit that I want to watch, but every time I, I guess when I look at the runtime, I'm just like, do I really want to spend two hours or, you know, 30 minutes of a movie or show? Do I really want to do that? Probably not. Let me just get on my PlayStation and play some games or whatever, you know? Like, I don't know. It's just, I I really lost that sort of passion to do a podcast. And, you know, I I never really thought about closing the podcast or whatever. You know, never, I wouldn't do that. Not at all. But yeah, I just, I haven't really found that drive. Plus the fact that, you know... When it came to movies that I saw, I would usually talk about them on my Twitter, which you can follow me on Twitter at Alexander underscore Thorpe. Um, I, I'm still active on social media and whatnot, so there's that. But yeah, I would do little reviews on, you know, my Twitter, and then write a full fucking paragraph on my Facebook, which, you know, I'm not going to share that because I don't really have a public figure page or whatever for myself. But, you know, because I I generally wouldn't, you know, post there like I do on my Twitter. Because for Facebook, I I like to be that person on Facebook that gives positivity. Even if I'm, like, shitting on a movie that I didn't like or whatever. But, yeah, that's that's kind of where my drive has went as far as, like, getting off my chest about how I feel about a movie. Is on my my social media. But, But, yeah, it... It's so weird right now because it feels kind of nice to dive back into this podcast again. And I, I'm hoping to do one, you know, every, like, if not 
every week at least once a month you know i can't guarantee you to do it all like every weekend or whatever you know like i i know there should be some sort of consistency and whatnot but you know sometimes i just don't not feeling to do a podcast you know but i'm here now um uh, of course as you read this title i'm gonna talk about uh my my favorite movies and my disappointing movies of 2021 and you know i'll go into depth of like those movies because man i i feel i kind of feel bummed out that i didn't get to talk about how i felt about the suicide squad or you know these other movies that i really enjoyed and whatnot but yeah i i i just i i yeah i just I wish I wish I had more energy to do it. Plus, been hanging out with friends and whatnot, and I just sort of lost time with this and whatnot. And you know, I again, I'm hoping to do this at least once a month, if not like every other weekend. I mean, I I, I am surely, truly not going to try and go another period without you know another seven month period of not doing this podcast you know like but yeah just you know time just like I sort of just lost track of doing this podcast but any event um thank you all for listening of course um let's get into the show you know let's do this you know let's talk about last year 2021 movies you know um I I I think I'm gonna start with the most disappointing movies of 2021 like let's just let's get the bad out of the way you know like you know this is just my personal list so i you know i i like to call this list the most disappointing movies generally i don't like to call things that are bad but you know it because I, I don't know i'm just kind of weird about that i like to say these are most disappointing movies of 2021 or worst movies of 2021 i mean i know the words can be very like selling for people you know when we say best or worst people love to go to those lists and whatnot now this is my personal preference of course when it comes to these movies so these are my most disappointing movies of 2021 or worst movies of 2021 starting at the very bottom i only have eight so starting at number eight matrix resurrections i was you know, Matrix Resurrections is one of those movies where you see a movie and, you know, you see it, you thought it wasn't great, and then you just move on from it. But you ever watch a movie that's so bad that, you know, you want to forget it, but the more you think about it, the more you hate it? That's kind of how I feel about Matrix Resurrections. I mean, first of all, I didn't like the whole fact that it was very meta, very self-referencing and whatnot. And, you know, there is a line in this movie, which I'm going to spoil all these movies, by the way. I maybe should have said that up front. But Matrix Resurrection, there's a line between um, Neo and who we later find out in this movie, uh, Agent Smith. They're talking about how, you know, Neo now in the Matrix, Thomas Anderson, is a game designer. He created the Matrix. Yes, we're getting meta with it or whatever. And in that conversation, Agent Smith, who we later found out in the movie, is telling Thomas Anderson that, hey, Warner Brothers wants to make another 
um, Matrix movie, I mean, game or whatever. And, you know, he straight up tells him, he's like, hey, look, if you don't do it, they're going to do it without us. And I really, really believe that is the reason why we got this movie at all. And, I mean, just everything about it. I mean, it's one of those movies where, you know, it, it starts off, it, it it wants to be new. It's kind of one, one of the things that people hate about uh, the Force Awakens, you know, it's very familiar. We've seen this story before. It's very much plays out like another movie or whatever. The Matrix Resurrections is basically the first movie with new stuff, concepts, but even that is just not enough for me to be hooked onto it. Plus, I'll be honest, I've never seen the Matrix movies like through and through because as a kid, of course. I, I I was just not, like, I, I couldn't undergrasp The Matrix at all. I think my only introduction to The Matrix was the game on PlayStation 2, Path of Neo, where it plays certain events from those movies. And so, watching it with adult eyes, I really like the first movie a lot. I really like it. It's very, it's very sci-fi. It's very, like, it's just kind of out there, you know? And then I saw the second one, and I was like, I'm not about this at all. I feel like the whole go bigger mentality just kind of what killed uh, the franchise for me. I was just like, I just didn't, like, I appreciate these concepts, but I'm just like, it just feels a bit too much. And then Matrix, was it, Revolution or whatever, just really was just like, okay, I just, eh. Now, beforehand, when I saw the Matrix Resurrection trailer, I was excited. But after I watched the trilogy and being very underwhelmed by it, I wasn't really anywhere excited to see Matrix Resurrections after that. So I decided to watch it at home. And, yeah, not not a fan of Matrix Resurrections. And I think what kills me even more is the fact that you look at the fight scenes, too. It's just like, you know, Matrix... You know, even, like, all the f- the first three Matrix movies, you know, the the action was always cool. The choreography was always great. And in this one, it's very... They dropped the ball so hard on this. And I was just like, why even do this? And again, referencing to that line of, like, you know, Warner Brothers is going to make another Matrix with or without us. That I just I just feel like this is why it was made because I guess uh, one of the Wachowskis I think it was Lana who directed this. It's her baby, or at least half of it. You know, she owns half of it. You know, and to see someone else take over it, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't have sit well with her. And so I get it, but at the same time, it's kind of like maybe you should have just let this one go. I mean. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, The Matrix Resurrections, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it, honestly. And, you know, I know I'm in the minority, I know a lot of other people that I know really liked it, and you know what, good on them, but for me, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it at all. So, Matrix Resurrection is my eighth worst movie of the year. Going on to number seven, a little Netflix movie called Malcolm and Marie. Um, starring Zendaya and John David Washington. I, this is one of those movies that was made during the quarantine. 
you know, when the first, uh, when the pandemic hit, this was the first movie that was made during the pandemic. And, you know, it shows. And, uh, again, I will, for people who didn't like this movie, I will echo what they said. You know, this movie is just basically one giant ass argument. And it wouldn't be so bad if they have just showed us, you know, some of the conversations that, you know, the, the arguments that they would have, if they would show some of those pieces or whatever, you know, this movie is basically takes place after John David Washington's character came back from a premiere who made a movie and, you know, he's waiting for what the critics say and all this stuff. Meanwhile, Zendaya's character is kind of feeling like she's being pushed aside and all this stuff and... You know, it would have been nice that they actually showed us, like, context of what their arguments are and whatnot. I mean, the performances are really good, but I wouldn't say this is definitely worth a movie to watch at all. Because it's just, again, it, it really gets annoying. More as time goes on, they start to, like, argue and argue more and more. And I get the points that they're making. I get that, but I just wish there was more context of just showing us those moments you know and but overall i was just very disappointed with it so it is what it is coming in at n- number six is a hugh jackman movie uh ever heard of reminiscence you know that uh it was supposed i think it came out sometime in august or whatever uh you know it's basically about uh kind of looks like a christopher nolan movie almost but you know doesn't really deliver you know it's all about Hugh Jackman's character looking for a missing woman that he's in love with and trying to go into you know all these memories about nostalgia and all this stuff like that you know had a really cool premise but it it just it wasn't all that intriguing I didn't give a fuck about anybody honestly I mean, the the whole mystery and thriller of all of it was just not all there. Like, this could have been interesting if they just... I don't know if, you know, maybe if they could have just, just scrapped it and mainly focused on it being about, you know, people's addiction to nostalgia and all this stuff and, like, what that can lead to and, you know, how much people suffer and whatnot. And... But they just had to add... A, uh, a mystery to that whole stuff like I just I guess I just wanted something that wasn't really giving me anything you know I, I mean it looks looks gorgeous but at the same time it's just like it just this could have been another great sci-fi movie but it just wasn't unfortunately and that's kind of a bummer for me because I, I really like the cast and you know Hugh Jackman I mean performances are good but again I wouldn't recommend this movie to anybody because it's just like it doesn't really promise what you would hope it would be about but it is what it is unfortunately and kind of hurts so yeah reminiscence just big giant disappointment coming in at number five is Marvel Studios's The Eternals I I don't even know where to begin with this one. I mean, I'll just say this. I was very much looking forward to The Eternals because, one, it, I mean, I know probably almost to none, nothing about The Eternals at all in the source material. And so it's kind of nice that I'm going into this 
having no nothing about the characters at all. And I just I, I came out of it just thinking, for one, I first of all, I love that they delivered on how vastly different it is from the other Marvel movies that came before it. I mean, everybody loves to talk about how certain Marvel Studios projects are, like, different from one another. Eternals is definitely one of those movies. I mean, if you hid the whole Marvel Studios uh, logo on the poster or whatever, and from the trailers, you would have thought this is a DC movie, you know? It very much feels like its own thing, but it's in the Marvel uh, MCU or whatever. And, yeah, I mean... To its benefit, that's what I loved about it. And the other thing I loved about it, of course, is like, I love the scale, the cinematography, and, you know, of course, seeing those celestials on the big screen. Goddamn, dude, I wish I saw, saw this in IMAX, because I would have appreciated the fuck out of seeing uh, Ashram, I think that's his name, uh, the main celestial in the Eternals movie. Seeing that giant motherfucker, like, that's just, he just looked grand and epic in scale and yeah that's it on that scale that was amazing but what kills the movie for me is for one too many characters i know there's a lot of people who don't like this movie because it's so it's got diversity or whatever and for me i'm just like yeah diversity is the least of that movie's problem like that was not the problem at all with it problem I had with it was like you had too many characters you really had too many characters I mean yeah they kill off some or maybe a few but that's about it but I just feel like you just kind of need to trim it down and also the runtime on this I just felt like I feel like if they cut out some of these characters you could have had a shorter movie like this I just it just kind of dragged on and I, again, I like the characters, but I just felt like there's too much going on in here. But it is what it is. But I did also get a kick out of the the actual reveal that basically Earth is a planet for a celestial to be born. Like, that is just so insane to me that I just thought that just sounded like a comic book thing to me. And, you know, it is what it is, unfortunately. And... I mean, if they make a sequel, great. Like, I'm here for it because I'll go see it and hopefully it's better than, you know, than what the first movie is. And I really wanted to like this because I was just like, all the trailers I saw, I was like, this is so new. This is so unique. It just looks great. And even how it's shot, again, the cinematography is great. And the storytelling is just something to behold. It really doesn't feel like it, but I just... I wish it was just kind of trimmed up just a bit and was better in some aspects. But, you know, I mean, again, I would also say it's not the worst MCU movie. I know there's a lot of, like, opinions saying this is the worst MCU movie, which, if that's how you feel, great. But for someone who hasn't seen Eternals and sees that this is the worst MCU movie, I would I would say this. I mean, take... Your, Take what you think is the worst MCU movie. Um, Eternals is probably not going to be worse than that. You know, I don't think it will be. Because, again, I think because of how unique and new Eternals is and feel and the vibe of it all, there's going to be some enjoyment to have with it. But for me, it just didn't work as much. 
coming at number four of most disappointing movies of 2021. Man, I had hopes for this one too. I really had hopes for this one. I mean, seeing the trailers and and all its glory and goriness, Mortal Kombat. God damn it, did that movie suck balls. I'm sorry. I mean, granted, I will gladly take this movie over the 95 uh, adaptation of it. I mean, not by much, unfortunately. Because, um, you know... I'm sure I've talked about it. Mortal Kombat, I mean, again, what does there to say? The only things I liked about it is, you know, the fighting was great. I love the fucking designs of the characters. I really do. I thought the designs of the characters, especially when we got those character posters, those were really cool. And I was just like, I like these designs. But goddamn, I couldn't stand the main character, Cole. It was just like, I just feel like... This Cole character shouldn't even be here. I mean, I get the idea of wanting to introduce a new audience to this world or whatever. To those who have probably never, don't even know the lore about Mortal Kombat. Maybe just, maybe they just should have just stuck with Liu Kang. Like, because Liu Kang to me was always like the face of Mortal Kombat, honestly. I always thought, you know, he seems like the main lead to me, not Johnny Cage. I don't know why people think Johnny Cage is the main star of Mortal Kombat. I'm just like, I mean, sure, in the new games, Johnny Cage is kind of running things or whatever, but I'm like, I'm a traditionalist. I like that Liu Kang is kind of lead of the things and kind of the main thing about Mortal Kombat, in the lore at least. And, yeah, what also kind of sucks is the fact that this movie opens up amazingly it shows you that rival between scorpion and sub-zero two clans coming together and just like trying to kill each other or whatever well sub-zero's clan kills behan's uh scorpion not behan is sub-zero yeah behan comes to kill scorpion's family and you know great setup and then the movie just kind of tanks and then there's a lot of logic holes there's a lot of like so many questions I have and generally I don't like to ask questions or whatever because that kind of what taints a movie for me sometimes but yeah the the whole like how is Shang Tsung finding all these like champions with the Mortal Kombat tattoo like how does he know where they're at like I would like to know how that works um also did the elder gods just not give a fuck that you know Outworld is basically cheating you know there wasn't really a tournament so kind of bizarre but you know i i guess this is a prequel to the actual tournament which let's be honest there's probably not going to be a sequel to this at all but um it it's just like man yeah i think after finishing it i was just like i think it's time to take mortal Kombat and make it into a series because i just don't think a movie form is going to do it justice i mean we've seen web series do it with mortal Kombat on youtube and you know, it's cool to see that and whatnot. And, you know, it, there's some cool stuff you can do with it. And I just feel like I think it's time to make Mortal Kombat as a TV show. And, I mean, hopefully somebody will... Hopefully they'll greenlight that idea. Because I just don't think a movie form is just right for the franchise. Or the IP, at least. But, yeah. That's just me. Coming in at number three of most disappointing movies of 2021, Netflix's Sweet Girl. I mean, 
to me, this is the worst Netflix movie of 2021, honestly. I just... Malcolm Marie was bearable, but Sweet Girl, I just... Okay, here's the thing about Sweet Girl. Had an interesting premise, you know, has that classic, you know, uh, guy wants revenge because of, you know, reasons, you know. Wife gets killed during... God damn, I'm trying to remember this movie because I only remember one part of this movie and yeah, um basically, you know, Jason Momoa's character has a wife and a kid and his wife dies by cancer and he was promised that there's a cure or whatever and doesn't get that cure all because you know, politics or whatever. And so he goes on a manhunt to capture this dude and like kill him and then he's you know, he catches him, kills him, and then realizes there's someone even more above him and all this shit or whatever and all this stuff. And I gotta say, it it was fine. Like, the movie was fine up until they pulled this so out of place fucking twist. And in the sense that, okay, there's a point where we see Jason Momoa's uh, character, you know, meet up with somebody to tell him the truth about what's going on and on this train and we see him you know getting out of that train all busted up along with his daughter or whatever and they go on this quest of trying to capture the one above who's running all the the stuff or whatever for this cure and all this political bullshit or whatever but then we get to the end and it's revealed that Jason Momoa, who we've been following, is actually his daughter. And so his daughter has been imagining that he... I mean, the movie led us to believe we're following Jason Momoa's character when we're actually following the little girl's... the daughter. The daughter. And it's kind of like... It's kind of hard to believe it. Like, yes, they show us him, her training and, you know, all this training. And so... It makes us believe that, yeah, okay, this girl has some training. She could take on some dudes or whatever. But this, but for me, man, I just, I'm just saying, some of those fight scenes, I'm just like, I just don't see it. Like, I just don't see the connection at all. I, I just, it's not believable. And I'm just like, why would you? I don't, I don't get that. I really don't understand why they thought that was a good idea. I mean. Part of what I liked about this movie was just, like, this daughter being so uncomfortable going on this revenge quest with her father or whatever. Like, she's kind of scared for her life, and she's on the phone with a cop or whatever and all this stuff. And it's kind of like, that was the most interesting thing about the movie. I was like, you know, that's that's kind of what it should have been. Like, this daughter wanting her father to stop this, like, revenge quest and turn himself in for all the murder he's done or whatever. I just... I was so confused by it. I just didn't understand. But I, I just so disappointing. Very disappointing. But not as disappointing as number two of worst movies of 2021, and that is Snake Eyes. G.I. Joe Origins Snake Eyes. I I don't understand this movie. I mean the best way I can sum up this movie is like, okay, we y- y- you have a the the main snake guys is basically a ninja right like we know he's a ninja and he's going up against other ninjas or whatever if you're gonna show me ninjas show me the fucking ninjas like 
I don't understand why the fuck whoever was doing the cinematography camera work for this movie why would you not hold the camera still when the fighting was going down I just I don't understand that also Snake Eyes kind of a fucking dick even after he realizes he's working for a national terrorist group but he's got to find you know he's got to work for them to you know make uh uh the 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 killer the guy that killed his father or whatever he's got to make him pay he wants him that's all he wants and it's like snake eyes is kind of an asshole like he doesn't he's not someone i'm rooting for or whatever more so i'm i'm kind of you know rooting for what's his name the 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 was it shadow master i'm not even entirely sure i don't even know point is snake eyes not a fun character like i just don't understand this movie at all and of course they pull that that classic trope of like showing you the suit in the trailer when that scene is actually the end scene of the movie and it's like all right you know i get it henry golding good looking dude but like stop pulling this shit like i'm tired of this fucking trope it's fucking annoying cannot stand it it's like can we just stop just stop already but yeah gi joe snake eyes just yeah nah i mean didn't make money so of course i'm just like yeah i don't even want to see like any like continuation of this world with the if this is like how we start off this world or whatever and number one of worst movies of 2021 it should be no surprise to anyone because this is on my list of worst movies worst comic book movies of the 2010s as well as uh probably the worst movies of 2018 it's venom let there be carnage i mean first things first the positive i can say about this is again everybody's having fun and also this time around they actually know what they want this movie to be you know it's a slapstick comedy like it's just it's it's they play to the strengths of what everybody loved about that first venom movie great not for me though (laughs) not definitely not for me i feel jeremy john said it best in his review where he basically said you know the movie, you know, you want to see Venom and Carnage fight. That's all you're there for. But the movie just kind of chugs along or whatever till we finally get that scene with Venom and Carnage. And I know he liked it, but for me, I was kind of like, yeah, this is fine, I guess. Like, I don't really care. I mean, but overall, it's just, it's a sluggish mess. And you know what? I'm glad people are liking it. I mean... That's that's all I can hope for. I just want, you know, just because I like something and others don't, fine, that's great. If I don't like something and others do, fine, that's great. I mean, that's all we can hope for. That's kind of what we can hope for. You know, I guess, like, we want to like everything. But, yeah, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, I'm just like, I, I know a third one is coming because it made money and... I want to say I don't want to see it, at least not in theaters, but, you know, again, if someone pays for the ticket for me, fine, I'll go see it, but, like, I'm not really, not all that excited, because I'm just like, I don't really care about 
this franchise or this character mainly because it's just kind of like, eh, just just not for it. I don't really care for it. But yeah, so that those are my eight worst films of 2021. Just let me to recap. At number eight, Matrix Resurrections. At number seven, Malcolm and Marie. Number six, Reminiscence. Number five, The Eternals. Number four, Mortal Kombat. Number three, Sweet Girl. Number two, G.I. Joe, Snake Eyes. And number one, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Now let's get into the fun stuff, shall we? Let's get into the actual fun, fun movies that I actually had. Now I do have some honorable mentions. They're not too many, but let's just roll off on them. Um... Starting off with Cruella, starring Emma Watts, uh, Emma Stone, not Emma Watson. Um, Cruella was definitely something I was just like, I like the look of it, but that's all I can really say for it. And yeah, the the whole sympathetic villain thing or whatever, it's really weird, especially if you know your classic Disney villains. Cruella, very much a uh, what's it called? She likes to skin puppies for the fur. So, kind of weird, and of course they don't really dive into that, it's just, you know, and it does have problems, but I didn't care because I liked it, plus, never thought I'd hear a Black Sabbath uh, song in a Disney movie, honestly. Um, Another honorable mention, Free Guy, Ryan Reynolds. I mean, you know, for someone who didn't like Ready Player One, because it gave me so many headaches, Free Guy was kind of bearable. I don't know why I enjoyed Free Guy more so than, I guess, Ready Player One, because I guess Free Guy just didn't have any, I mean, it did have IPs, but, like, it wasn't, like, full of Easter eggs and here, here, you remember this, you know, look at this, like, here's Iron Giant, here's Chucky, here's uh, The Shining, you know, The Room and all this stuff and all that stuff, like... I, it was just, it was a fun time, you know, it's about corporations kind of fucking over people and whatnot when it comes to games and shit like that. So yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it, had a lot of fun with it, honestly. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is such a gem, it's not even funny. Um, the Kingsman, another honorable mention. I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't know if I've said it, I probably have, but again, I was not a, I love the first Kingsman movie, honestly. Second one, not so much. I thought it was just full of cheese ball and just like it got way too overly ridiculous. Like there was no groundedness into it. The Kingsman, oh my god, I could not be more surprised by this fucking movie. Honestly, I was just like, it was so interesting. I mean, it doesn't really feel like a Kingsman. It feels like... It's a Kingsman, but it's more classy. Like, it's not over-the-top. I mean, there's an over-top scene with Rasputin, and it's kind of fucking weird. But yeah, but then the whole movie is pretty great. I mean, second act does kind of feel like a whole nother movie, but I'll I'll be honest, in that whole second act, I won't give it away, because I feel like this by the end of the second act, it really kind of like courses into like into what the third act is going to be like how it sets up for the third act is fucking incredible definitely didn't see it coming either like there's something that happens in the second act that's like had me and oh my god just had me just saying like what the fuck out loud like it was so crazy to me 
But yeah, the Kingsman, I was just so glad. I was so happy that I enjoyed this. I mean, it was really great. And Ray Fiennes is so amazing in it. Honestly, everybody was great in it. Another honorable mention for 2021, A Quiet Place Part 2. I like the fact that, again, John Krasinski basically said, you know, I'm going to do a sequel. I want to, you know, basically do it where I feel the characters are going to go. And my God, did he do an excellent job with it. And even given us, you know, the first day of when the invasion happened. And everybody's wonderful. It's it's not as intense as the first one, but God damn it, is it like wonderful to watch and uh Killian Murphy goddamn such a big star like I I think it's time I finally give Pika Blinders a chance because my god that dude is incredible he's really incredible so yeah Quiet Place Part 2 very shocked at how much I very much enjoyed it honestly and my last honorable mention for 2021 might shock a lot of you but um it's Spider-Man No Way Home. I mean, what can I say? Like, I, I know it didn't make my top 10 of the year, but I I, I can't not mention that this is probably my, one of my honorable mentions. I mean, my God, it does everything so right in terms of, like, pushing uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, to his limit. I mean, they they put this character through a lot of shit. Especially after somewhere, in, I think it's in the second act, where after a certain point in the second act happens, man, it's just like, it's incredible. And then of course the fan service, you know, I won't get into it because my belief is I won't spoil a movie until it's like, you know, something like Spider-Man No Way Home. I can't spoil something like that until it's been released after a month and right now it's you know not it hasn't even been a month since uh spider-man no way home is out plus i know some countries aren't able to see it but yeah it's incredible and oh my god the way it leaves the door open for a new trilogy i mean i am so much looking forward to see what they do next i mean I know Tom Holland has said that he he might take a break from acting or whatever to have a family, which good on him. But man, I it just just give me one more movie. If you're not gonna do another trilogy, just give me one more movie because I I just would love to see what this MCU Spider-Man would go through after what happened to him in this movie. So, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. You know, Spider-Man No Way Home, Quiet Place Part 2, The Kingsman, Free Guy, and Cruella. Now let's get to the the meat and potatoes, if you will. So, my top 10 of 2021. Starting with number 10. Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. I mean, first things first, I'll be honest. Never seen West Side Story. Never seen the play nor the classic iconic film um this was my first introduction to it and you could tell that this was definitely a passion project for steven spielberg and my god the colors the cinematography the choreography everything about it just wonderful it's really great i mean i couldn't be more thrilled about it i mean 
everything about it is just wonderful. And the fact that there's times where, you know, the Puerto Ricans, they'll they'll talk, you know, in their language and there's no subtitles. But you can kind of, you can basically get the sense of what's going on. And I really, really like that a lot. And because, you know, growing up, I had, um, growing up, I had a neighbor who I've known for about, God, about 10, 9, 8 years or whatever. I'm still good friends with him and whatnot. But going over to his house and, you know, at times his family would speak in Spanish was just like, it's like, I, I, I've been there. I've been there. And, you know, granted, I wouldn't know what they're talking about, but I can kind of get the sense of what was going on. And yeah, and so the fact that this movie does the same thing doesn't take away from what's happening in the scene or whatever. And yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed that a lot. So I I just <laughs> I really like West Side Story. Um so yeah, that's that's number 10 for me. Number 9, The Green Knight, based on the short poem that I've never read, but damn is it a gorgeous looking movie. It's very out there it's not gonna be everybody's cup of tea it's a very slow long movie it's about this journey about this you know soon to be night and it's about about one finding himself you know and you know trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life and whatnot and i thoroughly thoroughly enjoy that a lot. It, it, Dave Patel was great. Just again, the the score and the scale and the cinematography of it all, just really great. And you know, didn't know this, but it's it's ties into uh, the the Legend of King Arthur. Never knew that, but very cool, very cool indeed. Number eight on my list, Dune. Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Now, granted, yes, this movie ends on like a big cliffhanger this very much feels like part one of a part two or three or how many movies Denis Villeneuve wants to do but my god I I am surprised how quickly this movie like went through I love the scale Denis Villeneuve like just so far hasn't disappointed me with his films at all whether it's Prisoners or Blade Runner 2049 and now Dune, like it, the man knows how to make a movie, and he, he definitely, definitely knows how to like capture the scale and the grandness of it all. And I, I just could not be more happy with how it turned out. It was my probably my my most anticipated movie of the year for sure, and I I'm so glad it made it on this list because you know going through the list of movies that I watched this year. You know, it, it it was just like, you know, there were definitely other movies I enjoyed more than Dune, but Dune was just everything I was hoping it would be, you know. It very much is not, yes, it's a big budget movie, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to be the blockbuster. It's not trying to be Spider-Man No Way Home. It's not trying to be like this popcorn, like in your face, you know, all this, um, what's the word? you know, um, spectacle, it's not, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful spectacle, don't get me wrong, but it's not trying to be flashy or whatever, it's basically setting up everything for you, for what's to come, and again, 
I don't know the source material, so I'm kind of excited to see what they do with part two, and I couldn't be more excited with uh, how to see part two. Like, I'm so excited. Coming in at number seven, this is a movie I didn't expect to be on my list. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now, for me, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Ghostbusters fan. I would even say I'm a fan of Ghostbusters. I mean, I like Ghostbusters, but I'm not like to die for Ghostbusters, you know, for something like, you know, it's not on the same level for me when it comes to Star Wars or, you know, any DC or Marvel project, you know, like I'm not on that level when it comes to Ghostbusters, but, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife, I, I was just kind of like, you know, it was really honestly going to be one of those movies where I might have just skipped it had I not gone with someone to go see it, honestly. And, oh my god, you know, <laughs> it's one of those movies where it's a sequel and it's a reboot at the same time, but this does it right. It It's not trying to, you know basically copy what the first movie did or whatever while also trying to like be a sequel at the same time you know it's just it's a sequel and it feels like a sequel yes we do get um the main villain from the first movie or whatever um into this and we see little mini uh mar uh puff marshmallows or whatever in this movie but you know, it's it's kind of it's about this family that is gone through a tough time, and you know, the mother really didn't know her father, who turns out to be uh, Egon, and it, it's just this sweet, like it, it's its own thing. It's not trying to be what the previous, you know, canon. You know, it's not trying to be the first or second Ghostbusters, like. It's not a comedy at all. It's not trying to be funny. It's it's you know it's gonna be heartwarming. It's about a family going through some shit, while at the same time they gotta you know uh, deal with these ghosts or whatever, and you know honoring that legacy of Egon and you know what Egon left behind and you know where the other Ghostbusters are. I mean they they briefly touched on that, and you know seeing the OG Ghostbusters come back was great i mean it, it was wonderful and then seeing egon i loved how they handled egon i mean we see him but we don't full-on see him like cgi see him or whatever like he's just kept in the shadow or whatever but then you see him at the very end and he's a ghost and goddamn, it looked incredible and i i just really was really touched by this movie i was just like i love this is how you do a sequel slash reboot you know revive a franchise is like you know honor it but at the same time you know you got to push forward you got to make it you know you don't want to you you shouldn't copy and paste or like dive too much into nostalgia you know it's fine to give easter eggs but i'm so glad that ghostbusters afterlife can stand on its own to the point where i think Anybody that didn't see Ghostbusters 1 and 2 can watch this and have no problem understanding what's going on. I really, really thoroughly appreciate it. I also think it's kind of sweet that, um, oh, God, I always get them confused. Um, Ivan, yeah, Ivan Reitman's son, Jason Reitman, directed this. I, I just thought that was so sweet, and you could tell, like, 
Jason really like you know because I saw somewhere where Jason Reitman said he would never touch Ghostbusters but you know now that he does and you know to honor his dad's legacy and his franchise it's kind of sweet like and he did it right because I mean you look at Ivan and Jason's like filmography they are both totally like radically different even though I've never seen a Jason Reitman movie but I might have to because but just looking at his filmography compared to his dad's they look so different it's so interesting and I love it I truly love that and so Ghostbusters Afterlife I think that was probably the biggest well looking at this list it was one of the biggest surprises of 2021 for me honestly so yeah coming in at number six uh i got cop shop i mean it's a little movie i mean it takes place in a prison precinct or whatever um basically it, it's you know it's kind of like think of die hard almost kind of you know it, it's basically except our main character is a well not even a rookie but she's been doing it for some time and there's a bounty on this dude's head and I, uh, one of the uh, bounty hunters comes in like gets locked up and wants to kill him meanwhile another bounty hunter comes in and wants to kill that same dude who's got the bounty on their head and all this stuff and it just gets fucking crazy and I loved it, it it's just bonkers it's like it's the action is really cool I mean it's just it's a nice little small budget movie that's worth your time like it's really worth every fucking minute of it honestly and it's only it's only an hour and 30 which i think it's an hour and 30 let me look it up real quick but it's like it's a quick in and out kind of movie and it's really wonderful so yeah around you know it's under two hours so it's it's a wonderful movie that i feel like everybody should go see honestly so cop shop definitely like was very surprised by it. I didn't expect it to like it that much, but I really did. Now, coming into my top five of the year. Coming in at number five, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. I mean, I love Edgar Wright. I mean, for the first time ever, he, he gave me a movie where I could call it my favorite movie of all time with Baby Driver. I mean, I mean, it's... I... I've yet to have a movie where I didn't like from Edgar Wright, you know. And this is definitely something new. If, you know, Baby Driver was something new, you know, definitely new cast. He's not working with Simon Pegg or whatever. Last Night in Soho is pretty great because he's taken on a, what would you call it? A horror thriller? I think that's what you would call it. It's a horror thriller, and it's wonderful. It's how it's shot and everything, and keeps you on the toes about this mystery and the murder and all this stuff, and the colors and the cinematography and just the way he shoots things. It's like it's very, it's very good. I mean, it's not like your typical horror movie or whatever. It's it's mainly a thriller horror movie, and I I loved every minute of it. And goddamn. I mean, everybody's wonderful. Even when they revealed the big reveal at the end, I couldn't, I mean, I saw it at the last minute, but I thought it was pretty fucking awesome what they do at the very end. 
And yeah, I I am definitely just here for whatever Edgar Wright does next because I just feel like he just knows it. Like I I don't know what else he could take on next. I would love to see him take on probably a musical next, you know, because I know, you know, it, that I feel like that would be next. I mean, or I mean, he could take on a sci-fi movie, but I don't know. I think Edgar Wright is just a fucking gem when it comes to directing and. I was very excited and thrilled to have loved this sense of style and everything about Last Night in Soho. Coming in at number four, you know, this is probably, this is, yeah, this is the, yeah. Um, Andrew Garfield starring in Tick, Tick, Boom. Directed by none other than Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, first of all, Lin Man Miranda, Lin Manuel Miranda has had one hell of a year in 2021. He wrote, you know, he wrote songs for Encanto. Um, he wrote songs for In the Heights, and now he's directed his first actual feature in Tick Tick Boom, starring Andrew Garfield. And it's basically takes. It's basically about. What's his name? Um, let me get this right, cause I wanna, I wanna get this right. It's, it's the guy, it's the man who wrote the play Rent. Um, let me see, let me look this up real quick, because I, I just, I can't help but mention his name. Jonathan Larson. Yeah, it takes. This is basically a point in Jonathan Larson's like life. It's all about his first failure. And, you know, sometimes we all need to fail in order to succeed later in life. And it's wonderful. I mean, first of all, I mean, it's always shocking to hear, you know, you know, hear actors that you watch sing like it's nothing. And hearing Andrew Garfield sing is just like, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Like, why am I... Why am I surprised? I should not be surprised. Also, Vanessa Hudgens is in it. I mean, she's she's in it here and there. But man, I mean, again, I wasn't big on High School Musical. But like, you know, I know that voice. I recognize her voice anywhere. And her and a duet with Andrew Garfield, Therapy. That song is just amazing how well they both sing it. But honestly, it's a great musical and I, I just I end the emotion to it all like it's just I loved it I, I just I really hope Andrew Garfield gets a nomination like an Oscar nomination for this because I just feel like I haven't watched him in anything else other than the, the Amazing Spider-Man movies I'll be honest but I just feel like for me this is my favorite performance by him and I know that's not saying much because I know he's been in other movies but still just wonderful it is a fucking wonderful movie to watch and just the emotion and by the end of it you learn something and by the end of it it's kind of like heartbreaking what happened to Jonathan Larson like it's just god definitely worth a watch on Netflix I mean there's not a lot of Netflix movies I praise but this is definitely one of them, and I, I was, I'm so glad I watched it. Honestly, coming in on number three of my top 
10 of uh, 2021, uh, is a little controversial movie called Malignant. I, I, I fucking love this movie so goddamn much. I, it's not even funny. Um, so I saw the trailer for this and I thought, oh, okay. So it's basically, uh, the killer is basically this woman's imaginary friend or whatever, trying to come and kill her and everybody else, I guess, or whatever. And, you know, I was like, yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's James Wan. That's cool. But I don't know. I was like, eh, maybe I'll see it. And then I heard from a friend where she said she was on her phone watching it. And, you know, she was in the theater, like, and she was on their phone most of the time. And I was like, ooh, okay, maybe, uh, okay. So, again, stayed home, watched it. And I don't know, man, like, I guess it's just me and some other people that just really fucking love this movie. Like, he, James Wan was definitely going for ridiculous, and I was fucking with it all the time, honestly. I feel like the opening scene alone kind of prepares you for what's going to go down of how this how this movie's going to go in terms of how it's going to feel or whatever. And I fucking loved it. I, I loved how fucking absurd and obscure it gets. It's insane. And it's amazing. I, I just, I can't... This is, like, probably the most surprising movie of 2021 for me. Like, this was a movie... I basically was just kind of like, yeah, I'll probably catch it sometime later or whatever. But I I watched it and I was like, this movie fucking rocks. As stupid and with, you know, as much plot holes as it has, I was fucking with it. Like, I had so much fun with it, honestly. And, you know, I guess the common consensus is that I guess people who went to go see this was hoping for a, I guess, a tie-in to the Conjuring universe or whatever, which even then, James Wan had to go on his Facebook and say, don't go in expecting this to be a a, 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 con- a Conjuring movie or whatever. This is a total different beast. And he also says something in the lines of, like, this is kind of a movie you would pick off from Blockbuster, like a VHS from Blockbuster or whatever with your buddies. And stuff like that. And I'm like you you are fucking absolutely right. Because this movie is fucking insane. Like even the whole. The prison pre- precinct fucking scene. It's just like. I cannot believe that fucking scene just happened. Like it's just so insane. Like I can't. I know a lot of people think it's cheesy and stupid or whatever. But you know what. Yes, yes it is. And you know what? I fucking love it. And I don't I'm not afraid to say that. Like I I'm going to have to watch it again soon cuz I'm like I'm considering it to be in like my top 10 favorite horror movies of all time. And who knows? Maybe once I see it a second time, I probably won't enjoy it as much. But I don't know. There was something about it I loved it. And I I honestly hope this is a one and done because I'm like I don't need a sequel to this. I think the first one is great as is. And, you know, it does set it up for a sequel. But, god damn it. I had so much fucking fun with it. It was great. I just couldn't believe it. I just... Oh, my God. If you haven't seen Malignant, just... I'll just say lower your expectations. You know, just go in knowing it's gonna get fucking wild and cheesy. Like, 
don't expect horror horror whatever because man I just you just gotta see it honestly and again among my friends I'm like the only one that loves it to death and I'm just like I know it didn't work for you but god damn it I love this fucking movie and how absurd it gets I, I just I can't praise it enough honestly coming in at number two on top 10 of 2021 movies I got James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. What can I fucking say? I I have never, ever laughed as hard as I have during a movie than in this movie. I The moment where Bloodsport, uh, played by Idris Elba, screams at Polka Dot Man, you know, when Starro is, you know, pummeling on a building or whatever, and Bloodsport is like... You know, uh, Polka Dot Man, you know, you see who that is? It's your mom. I just, oh my God. And just, I just can't believe what James Gunn has done with this. Talk about the most fucking weird and most fucking bizarre movie you'll ever see. Or, sorry, scratch that. Talk about the most, one of the most fucking bizarre, fucked up comic book movies you'll ever see like the suicide squad is up there i mean with polka dot man so you know basically everyone he like anyone everyone he sees is his mom or whatever or you know um god starro fucking starro is a weird fucking character uh the fingers are kind of a creepy dude or whatever or you know I, it just uh, these this cast of characters that James Gunn brings and how he writes them and how they're all more than what they seem to be and whatnot. I just I loved it. I love the fucking ego contest Bloodsport and uh, Peacemaker have played by John Cena. Which can I just say? I will always forever say this. It is so weird to see guys like John Cena in movies. Because I was a kid growing up in that era where John Cena was a big fucking WWE superstar. I don't know if he is today, but my god, from I guess the mid-2000s and like I think by the time I stopped watching WWE was like 2012 or so, John Cena was like a fucking like he was a big star and I remember seeing him in the Marine and it was just like, oh, this is cool, but the more I see John Cena and stuff, I'm just like, God damn it. I, I'm just, it's so weird to me. Like, if I were to go back, like, back in time to tell my younger self, to be to tell him that one day you're going to see John Cena in a comic book movie, and it's going to be fucked up. Like, in one of the most fucked up fucking uh, comic book movies you'll ever see. I wouldn't have just, like, I think, I wouldn't know how my younger self would take it, honestly. But... Anyways, I love the ego between the ego contest between Bloodsport and Peacemaker. It's just great. And King Shark, I mean, what I love it. I loved it. I know he's not King Shark like he is on the uh the Flash TV show or whatever or, you know, the animated stuff. You know, I like that this is a different take on King Shark and I'm here for it, honestly. Like I love when directors can give us a fresh take on characters while while at the same time making us feel like it is that character you know and i i just had a lot of fucking fun with it and fucking starro man like i just 
how he used Starro was just fucking awesome. And I love the design of Starro. I was just like, I love this so much. I still want a Starro plushie, honestly. Like, me and my lady still want a Starro plushie. It's fucking criminal that they haven't made a Starro plushie. But, yeah, I I love this movie to death. I even got it on Blu-ray for Christmas. And I couldn't be more thrilled about it. It's just... It's a lot of fucking fun. And it just moves nicely. And, you know, one of the things that I really loved, while at the same time it kills me, but I love it so much, is when Rick Flagg died. I mean, I think Rick... I mean, yeah, Rick Flagg was, like, my favorite character. Even though he wasn't in it for a whole lot, he was my favorite character through the whole thing. And when he gets killed, I was like, fuck, man... But at the same time, I'm like, I, it just, I fucking love it. I just loved that they killed him off. But at the same time, it's just like his last words to Peacemaker. You know, Peacemaker, what a joke. I'm just like, I love that. I love that because at the same time, you got that sense that Peacemaker really liked Rick Flagg. And, you know, he didn't want to kill Rick Flagg at all. Like, he was just there to do a job. And he didn't want to kill him. But he had to because the mission comes first and goddamn it. And, you know, that fight was actually believable. As big as John Cena is, that fight was kind of believable. I'm not going to lie. But, yeah, I everything about that movie is great. And, oh, my God. And the opening scene alone. I mean, I knew most of those characters that we saw when we first saw that character list when they first announced who was playing who with that video or whatever on YouTube, I knew most of them were going to get killed off or whatever, but I was not expecting how fucking quick they were all going to get killed. And my God, the opening is just fucking wild. I mean, talk about just jumping into it. Like, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed that a lot, honestly. So, yeah, the Suicide Squad, I mean, oh, I'm watching Peacemaker now. I watched all three episodes um yesterday yeah i'm i'm on board you know i'm really enjoying it really enjoying uh james gunn's peacemaker show for sure but yeah the suicide squad oh my god fucking loved it loved it a lot and we come down to my favorite movie of 2021 it's a netflix movie coming from sony animation Coming from the same producers that gave us Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. Phil Lord and Chris Miller who also happened to do the 21 Jump Street movies. The Mitchells versus the Machines. Yeah. An animated movie. This, this, This fucking movie was great. I mean, talk about a family dynamic that you just love and that sense of humor and the animation's great and the humor of it all is very wonderful, but the heart of it all is that family and them coming together and this bond that this father's trying to have with her daughter who, yeah, his daughter wants to be a filmmaker. She's going to college to be filmmaker of some sort and, you know, her whole life always recording these videos and her father not really understanding and trying to bond with his uh, daughter and all this stuff and then while at the same time technology kind of just takes over and all this stuff and they gotta find all these machines and 
Oh my god, the mall scene is great. I just, I, oh, I loved it. I loved it so much, and oh my god, I. Everybody involved in that movie, I I couldn't be more happier for it because goddamn it, they they knew how to make a fucking entertaining movie, and I loved it. But yeah, I remember watching it just like smiling so much because I loved it so much, and I it I I think among of all the anime movies I've seen, God, I think it would be like. It would be in my top 10. It would probably be like at least number 10. If I were to make a list, I would want to say it's probably at number 10, honestly. But for 2021, it was my favorite movie of the fucking year, and I loved it. I just, I, oh, I, if, I, I mean, honestly, I know there's a lot of anime movies that came out in 2021, but man, I, I would love to see if, um, I would love to see if the Mitchells vs. the Machines would get an Oscar nomination for Best Animated Film because that that movie was just that movie was wonderful. I mean, yeah, we all know Encanto might win Best Animated Movie of 2021, but I, I would just I would just hope to see the Mitchells vs. the Machines get an Oscar nomination of some sort. You know, I just, I really love that movie a lot. And so, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, my, my top 10 of 2021. I'll go through it one more time. Going at number 10, West Side Story, directed by the great, you know, Steven Spielberg. His first musical too. What, what a fucking movie. Number nine, The Green Knight. Number eight, Dune. Number seven, Ghostbusters, Afterlife, number six, Cop Shop, number five, Last Night in Soho, number four, Tick, Tick, Boom, number three, Malignant, number two, The Suicide Squad, and number one, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. And yes, that'll do it for this week of Spoiler Appetite. Thank you guys for listening. I I hope that, you know, you enjoyed me telling you my list of worst and best of 2021 if you want to follow me like i said in the very beginning of this podcast you can follow me on twitter at alexander underscore thorpe and yeah that'll do it for spoiler appetite for this week i'm tristan and i hope to see you soon until then you've just been spoiled